Hi, I'm Jade Siri Ramos. I am the producer of A Public Affair. Did you know you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts? Just search A Public Affair wherever you like to listen, and you'll never miss an episode. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. This is a public affair. My name is Yuri Rashkin, and I am subbing today for the amazing Ali Maldrow, who will be back next Wednesday. Um, and I am very excited to continue with today's topic, future of Wisconsin's labor force. It is projected to continue to decline and migration or immigration or incentives to get people to move to Wisconsin. Maybe some of the solutions that may be powerful enough to reverse the dwindling labor force shortage. And, uh, you know, I am excited to welcome to the program Dale Knapp, Director of Research and Analytics for the Wisconsin Counties Association. Dale, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Yuri. Looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward and hope to have our listeners join in as well. Our phone number is 608-256-2001. And you can also participate um, in our conversation on social media platform, formerly known as Twitter, and on Facebook, uh, Ward Talk. Um, Dale, this is actually not the first time meeting. I uh, have uh, really, I have experienced your presentation in November of 22 um, as a Rock County Supervisor, because I have the honor and privilege of serving in Rock County Board of Supervisors. And I felt like there was kind of a stunned silence after you were done, because on one hand, there was a lot of information we did not want to hear. And then there was not much understanding of what we could even do to combat it. And we're continued to deal with the consequences of this situation to this day. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit later about the local implications of, of these changes. But um, let's start with, with the broad picture. How do you see workforce in Wisconsin? Um, you're saying it's dwindling. Well, you know, if, if you look around, um, we see help wanted signs everywhere. And when you talk to employers for the past five, six years, many have been struggling to find workers. We have a labor shortage. Um, we've had it really beginning about 2015. Um, for many people, this has been kind of a surprise. Um, for, for me, it was not. Um, you know, in fact, um, this was something that back in 2004 when I was with the Wisconsin Taxpayers Alliance uh, doing the kind of work I'm doing now, we wrote a publication looking at the what the future of Wisconsin looked like. And one of the things we said is, given our demographics, given you know what we know about um, our population, we're likely to see worker shortages after 2015. Um, and they will likely get worse uh, after 2020, and we are seeing that. Um, and part of that is, you know, we didn't, as a state, we didn't re really heed those warnings. So we have done nothing to address the fact that we were likely to see the, these worker shortages. Well, it seems like, uh, the, the you know, Wisconsin was open for business and we had all sorts of signs and, uh, you know, Act 10 and everything. Uh, but uh, as I recall from the presentation even a year and a half ago or, or a year ago is that uh, uh, there was a decline of people, of families in Wisconsin during 2012 to 2020, although you were not certain exactly for what reason that might have occurred. Yeah, when you look at you know one of the one of the things we we said when um, we were pointing out that we were likely to to see um, that this worker shortage was um, really the only way that we were going to solve it, given our demographics, because we were going to see begin to see the baby boom generation start to retire after about 2010. Um, not all of them, but many of them. The only way to solve that problem is through migration. And we've had sort of an up and down history of migration into the state. We had a boom in the 90s driven by um, families really in the, what I call their family formation years, 
you know, 25 to 45. Um, we began to see that slow through the 2000s, um, and it's slowed much more after 2010. So that that cohort that we've been really strong in, because we've had good schools, we have low crime, we have a lot of amenities in this state. Um, for whatever reason, that that cohort is not coming here as much as as they used to. And um, again, the the reasons for that are uh, difficult to to really um, pull out of, of the data. Uh, does it se seems like? Um going forward we're going to have a decline in just demographics speak for themselves right there's a kind of a demographic approach to this and and looking at this this is going to affect higher education this is going to affect job market um how do you know we need to pay people to live in wisconsin well some some states are doing that um you know there are there have been other states and counties and even municipalities um that have that, that saw what was coming um, and, and really Maine was kind of at the forefront of this um, and decided that, okay, we're going to try to to address this. And so they are, there are many places around the country that are providing incentives for um, people to move there, whether it's um, simply cash incentives, whether it's down payments on houses, um, they're, they're, they're doing it in a lot of different ways. Um, some are more successful than others. Um, you know, we've not done anything really like that. And, and um, you know, maybe that's that that's the direction we, we need need to go. Um, the difficulty is those programs work best when you're one of the first ones out. Um, we're a little bit late to the game. We're, we're, we're at the point where, you know, we need to this something like that to get ramped up really in a hurry um and and we're not really seeing that is this going to be uh, driven by our, our trying to pull people in from other states and thus kind of just shuffling people around let's say midwest or you know region um is that is that what we're looking at well you know i i've argued again on this um for 15 years now that sort of it's a combination. It, it, it's a combination of, of keeping um, our people here, especially our young people. Uh, th those, um, you know, as, as young people leave high school, graduate college, and, and it's, it's always been like this. We see a lot of them leave the state. You know, they go to the big cities um, as they begin to start their career. Um, we need to be able to keep more of those people in state and again we need to keep be able to keep families in state we also need to attract those young families um, from other states at the same time this is also really a national immigration problem as well um you know that to one degree or another these tight labor markets are affecting the entire nation some more than others wisconsin is Wisconsin, Iowa, two of the states that have been hit the hardest, some of the most, um, really the hardest, but it's affecting everybody. And so international immigration, really, when you look at the demographics, need to be part of the solution. Um, the challenge is uh, there's, with the with the the problem that we're having at the border, especially, but um, even more than that, just over the past twenty years, the two parties are talking past each other on um, thinking about you know our immigration system and you know the need to uh, use that as as part of the solution to our coming you know really significant workforce problem. Dale, so then let, let's look at that a little bit closer. What do you feel would be solutions that would be embraced by businesses, by business community, that would that would uh, not necessarily fit into Democratic or Republican way of dealing with immigration, but would make sense for businesses? I'm I'm not an expert on the immigration system, so that, all right, but you know, you know that, just that, that's a, that's a difficult answer. You know, when when you talk to business people. Um, 
they're generally what are they looking for you know yeah, i mean they're they're looking for for workers and and it's and it's, it's really all over the place depending on um the industry um you know the 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 our ag economy um relies on a lot of um what is generally called you know unskilled generally unskilled um immigration workers you also though have have um uh, more technologically advanced industries um, that uh, that are, would like to open up that immigration system to be able to bring in more, um, you know, people with, with very specific skills. So it, it's really all over the place, but I think it's, it's not unanimous, but it's, it's fair. It's, it's getting close to that, that uh, we need to do something on that immigration side, um, you know, to solve this problem. That to, to, when bring, you, to bring people in versus bring people, people in. to yes. bring people in. Yeah. Okay, it's it's yeah. an important part of the equation to bring people yeah. in. Yes, and, and 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 you know we did a we did a report um, several years ago, and you know one of the things looking at this, one of the things we said is for Wisconsin, you know we're talking about workforce shortage now, but for Wisconsin, if we don't do anything, if we just sort of keep going as we're going. By 2030, we're going to have probably 130,000 fewer workers than we have today. Um, so it's not just, you know, we, we've been seeing this labor force sort of level off and flatten out, causing worker shortages and a lot of job openings. We're going to actually begin to see this, this decline. Um, and, you know, that's going to cause um, businesses to close. We're already seeing some of that. Um, it's going to cause businesses to consider moving elsewhere because they can't they can't fill their their, their workforce needs. So, um, you know, it, it's it's it, it's it's a difficult problem now that is only going to get worse. And when you start looking even longer term, the problem becomes even worse because where does where does the next generation of workforce come from the bulk of it it comes from our kids the kids that we have the number of births in this state have declined almost every year since 2007. Um, so that that pool of future workers um, that we're going to need in the 2030s and 40s is getting smaller and smaller um, and, and again that makes this an even bigger challenge uh, going forward does it mean that this gives an advantage to current workers in yes. a, in the nego negotiation of uh, wages and and that put current workers that are able that are not retiring that are here and ready to work puts them in a better position right definitely it's a, it's a two-edged sword there but you know because um it's it's basic supply and demand of economics when there's a demand for something um a, a a good a a, a worker um, and there's not enough of it the price goes up the price of a worker is their wage and we're seeing that um already you know we've we did a a report that looked at um, wage increases across the spectrum for about 800 occupations and one of the things you find is since about 2018 if you look at the occupations that are the lowest paying in the state, they have risen in terms of, of average wage um, by far the most than any other part of the um, wage spectrum. So what this is doing is really pushing wages up from the bottom, um, which is a good thing. So you, you have the, these, um, you know, people that um, are, you know, working at jobs and, and really struggling to make ends meet because we don't have enough workers. Um, they're doing better, which is which is a good thing. At the same time, it's creating a lot of problems. Um, in that, for example, childcare. We look at the childcare industry. Um, unfortunately, that the, the childcare industry is a relatively low-paying industry, um, and because wages are being pushed up at the bottom um, for all of those jobs we're seeing um, childcare workers actually leave the industry 
because they can make eight, $10 an hour more going somewhere else. Um, and so it, it's making the childcare problem in the state even worse than, than it has been in the past. So um, it's been, again, you, you're right. It's, it's good for workers, um, but it, it also creates a lot of other challenges. Um, what about the the the, the resurgence uh, of union movement that we saw uh, with UAW having successful strikes, uh, getting new better contracts? Uh, um, Wisconsin in general has a history, strong history of unions. So, is this something that may uh, play a part in future of uh, Wisconsin labor force more than it has in the recent past, or are unions something that? Um, are, are not going to be the solution, in your opinion, as, as it currently is seen? You know, that, that's, that's a really good question, and, and it's a really difficult one to answer because, um, you know, one, with, with, the, um, with the worker shortage, et cetera, companies understand that you know, we need, you know, we need these workers, we need to be able to, to pay them to keep them because they can go somewhere else. And so um, it, it's, it, it makes it at least a little bit easier in negotiations to bargain for higher wages. At the same time, it also makes it easy, easier for non-union workers to get pay increases by going somewhere else. So there's, again, there, there's sort of two sides to that. It, it, it can strengthen the unions to some degree, but it also gives non-union workers, um, you know, leverage and, and they ask, okay, so then why do I need the union? So again, there, there, there's sort of two sides to that coin. And then, so I don't know the answer to that. It's, it's a great question. It's something I haven't thought about it, but it's something I, I'll have to think about here for a little while. Well, you're always soliciting new ideas for future yes. reports, so there you go. Yeah. Um, and I'll remind listeners that you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. This is a public affair. My name is Yuri Rashkin, and we are discussing future of Wisconsin's labor force today. My guest uh, is Dale Knapp, Director of Research and Analytics for the Wisconsin Counties Association. And I'm hoping and waiting for our wonderful listeners, who I know have thoughts on the future of Wisconsin Labor Force, to reach out and uh, share their thoughts with us. Our phone number here is 608-256-2001, as always. And Mary Jo is taking your phone calls, so go ahead. Um, make my day. Um, Dale, let me ask you this. What about um, how has this uh, changing labor force has been for women in, in labor force? It's, it's, how do you see a position of women uh, in the future of Wisconsin labor force and in the changing face of labor force? Well, the, and, and there's some interesting things going on with um, the female workforce in Wisconsin. And it, it has, it seems like it has less to do with um, the, the worker shortage um, and more to do with um, childcare and um, what happened with COVID. And that, and, and what's, what's going on is since um, about 2000, beginning about 2019, but really exacerbating in 2021 and 22, we've seen significant declines in the female, what we call the, the labor force participation rate, the rate at which women are in the workforce, um, particularly at the ages of 25 to 54. Again, the family formation years. We're seeing some of it across the country. It, it's been a little bit um, greater here. Um, and we don't know all of the reasons, but when we've seen a few surveys, um, you know, taken nationwide, and um, there, there's sort of two areas that that come up in terms of why are they leaving the, the workforce. Um, one is childcare; it's it's access to childcare or the cost of childcare. Um, they're looking at it, and um, you know, again, we just did a study on on childcare. Um, as someone who's a little bit older, and so I've not needed to to deal with childcare for a long time, 
um, it's it's kind of stunning to under to to think about what the costs are. So, um, you know, the 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 average cost of childcare in in Wisconsin for um, uh, two children, if you have an infant and a toddler, uh, can run 35 percent of family income. Um, When you think about that number, you know, in terms of mortgages or your your home payment, which they suggest shouldn't be above 30%. um, When you have have that that home payment and you have that childcare payment, you're at over 60% of your income just on those two things. So that that cost is, it's extremely high. So we do see women deciding to, um, and and actually some men deciding to stay home um, with their children. And the other thing, and with the COVID, we do see some of the responses is that they found a, a um, workforce life balance in terms of the family that they preferred more, that they realized that in some cases, um, being home with their kids was better than sending them to daycare and they wanted to to do that now um again i think that 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 ties in with child care as well um but there's some of that and then there's you know there's a thousand other reasons why um, people are leaving the, the workforce in fact we have seen declines in some male workforce participating participation rates as well so it's not just females but um you know that's that's what to me that's one of the big things that that's going on in terms of the women's workforce in in Wisconsin um and it's something again that we need to be aware of um solving the solving the child care problem in the state um would go a long way to um bringing some of them back in, into the workforce and and um helping with our shortages and since we can't deport children, are you saying that the government should play a more active role in in uh, finance in providing financing for childcare, and and just to kind of presume that this is what we need to do in order to care for our labor force and and to make sure that we have labor force? Well, I, you know, I I do think that there there is definitely a role um, for government in this because. You know, it's a it's a it's a cost for young people who are at the beginnings of their career, so they don't have a lot of income. Um, it, it's obviously um, very um, driven by by labor costs. That's the the, the biggest cost. Um, and even when we're paying childcare workers thirteen, fourteen, fifteen dollars an hour, it's still an extraordinary cost for. Um, for those young families. So, and so, so that makes it really difficult to, you know, so how do we solve that problem? There's really no way for the market to solve that problem. We are seeing some bigger businesses that, that, that have the resources solve the problem to some degree for themselves um, with childcare, you know, onsite. Um, but for the bulk of, of families, there's no that the market is going to have a difficult time dealing with that especially in a labor shortage period um and so so the, so the market needs the labor force can't afford to help with the child care and the state government wins when there's people working so yeah. this is a solution that doesn't have a market driven incentive driven solution necessarily but it still needs to be sold is that correct? yes yes and so that's and and those are the kinds of of areas where i think government has a role where the market can't really solve the problem um, and so that's where um, we need to see see government in partnership with the private sector with businesses um, but figure out a way to to solve that that problem All right. Dale another issue that I'd like to review in in kind of looking at this whole picture of labor force in Wisconsin is um, some of the challenges we've been dealing with at Rock County having to do with the fact that uh, our employees expect us to pay more 
and uh that's that means you know we we raised wages and we're still we can't compete with madison because madison is dane county higher cost of living higher wages inflation like what what is going on is there a solution here or is this a situation where bigger communities are sucking up the labor force from the smaller communities you know well this, this is a you know the the labor shortage um has is particularly acute for um, the government sector, um, especially local governments. And and the reason is, you know, both municipalities and counties in the state um, are, their revenues are very restricted. They've been restricted by levy limits uh, for decades now. Um, so their revenues are the property tax, which is limited and state aid, which is, you know, limited, it's been very, very limited in its growth. So their resources are growing slowly. Um, and you have a market where the price of workers is going up dramatically. Um, businesses can find ways, raise prices, et cetera, um, to some degree to be able to deal with that. Local governments don't have that luxury. They, 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 they have very few revenue options. So it's become very difficult um, for local governments to um, you know, fill openings when, when they're losing people um, and to, to, to keep people because again, they look at, okay, the, the state, being in the state retirement system is a great benefit, but if I can go out to the private sector and earn 15% more, 20% more than I'm earning now, maybe it's time to, to go and, 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 and do that. It's not, you know, it's not even that in a sense, but we have people from public works who could be doing public works in, in another county. And, and that's, that's a real challenge because you're right. The county and local governments are limited in ways that we can raise revenue. And if uh, the inflation results of it is such that people expect uh, sometimes double-digit uh, jump in compensation, how is that going to get passed through on tax, property taxes, and everything? I mean, it's just uh, I don't see a solution. Um, there's, there's not. This is this is one that that I don't have a great solution for. Um, again, because because the the only way is really higher taxes in some form, either at the state level passing that through or at the local level, um, and nobody likes higher taxes. All right, we have Karen on the line about employer-provided child care. Karen, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. And first of all, I want to say when the gentleman says nobody uh, wants higher taxes, um, the 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 wealthy especially don't want higher taxes because they don't pay their fair share and um but as to child care so i actually i always like when bush wanted to give me back money i called him and said you keep my hundred dollars i i you know you i can't feed the hungry clothe the naked provide health care make schools but anyway, to, as to child care, that was the other thing, that the industry can't or the market can't cover this. And that's, um, it's only because they're looking at the bottom line. But I worked at Meritor for 43 years, and they provided child care on site for the nurses and the other staff. They didn't, I don't believe they paid for it. I didn't have children. But they had that there. We can do those things. You know, um, these companies like Boeing, I don't know how much they make, Walmart, um, you know, it, 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 they're making money and, and um, the, the, the uh, I'm sorry, and the um, stockholders right. always have to get a profit, and, but we have the money, it's just what we're willing to spend, and, and, um, and oh, uh, yes, taking care of our children supposedly from many political mouths, you hear them say, we want you to have these children, we want you to, you know, but we're not going to help you take care of them. And we're not even going to help you be able to, to work to, you know, most people work, most couples I know that are low income, they both work and they sometimes work two jobs. 
Um, so, you know, but, you know, so anyway, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a, it's a wealth issue as well and also where our priorities really are. And that's the other thing. I never say the healthcare industry because it's not an industry. It's a service, and it's, uh, if you see how hard these people work, same with child care providers, very important work. They should be making more than $13, $15 an hour. Karen. Um, and, yes, it should be subsidized. Thank you so much for your call and all your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Um, Dale, you know, I, I guess um, on one hand, I see this, that there's a lot of work to do in general, probably in this country, on educating people on benefits of taxes. Like there's going to be taxes collected, and the question is really about where are they spent. Yes. And, 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 and I, yeah, like who's going to undertake that advertising campaign? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's, again, you know, our taxes, you know, they go for a, a good purpose. You know, there, are, there is so much good that local government, that the state government does. Um, yes, there's waste in places, um, you know, but again, when I, when I say nobody likes to pay taxes, I, I think that's... Um, yes, you're editor for that statement, yes. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I think, um, you know, again, especially, you know, today where, where budgets are tight, you know, among so many people, um, you know, they don't want to see a, you know, a 10% increase in their property tax because, again, they're struggling with inflation, they're struggling with all of this. Um, would they be willing to if it went for something that, that you know, that they know is needed, that, that we could identify that, yes, we're going to raise this because we're going to, you know, do something with childcare to make childcare more available. You know, if you tie it to a very specific program, then you get people on board. Um, you know, so I think that that's part of the problem as well. We, you know, we say, yes, we need a tax increase. Well, tie it to a specific program. Tie it to here's what we're going to do with, with those dollars. Hashtag it's good to pay taxes. Uh, <laughs> continuing with uh, Karen's thoughts, what about uh, companies just embracing the idea that in order to have good workforce, not to have people shift jobs, job hop, you provide important things that maybe don't make you money in a you know in direct way, but they ensure that you have because you have childcare on on site, you have good labor force, your people are attracted to work through, you know. So just as a standalone benefit, uh, is it something that maybe is worth exploring more and more for businesses? Is that direction you see people shifting in? We are seeing. I mean, we are seeing more and more businesses um, either doing that or exploring that option but again this is generally these are generally the the bigger businesses um you know the mom and pop restaurant the mom and pop hardware store um you know that already are struggling to to find workers they don't have the resources to um provide child care um they're they're working on on thin margins as it well so you know it's something that can be done for that 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 bigger businesses with, um, you know, large more profits, larger you know, bigger margins um, can can look at. It get as you scale down to you know smaller and smaller businesses, it it becomes very very difficult. And that takes us back to Karen's point of we live in capitalism and. Uh... Uh, you know, there's certain means, the more means you have, the more options you have, and, and there's a connection. <laughs> right. Um, in that case, the other thing that I really want to discuss with you is the influence of artificial intelligence, uh, not just on this program, just kidding, but on, um, on workforce in Wisconsin. And I will remind listeners that you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. This is a public affair. My name is Yuri Rashkin, and I am here with Dale Knapp, Director of Research and Analytics for the Wisconsin Counties Association. And we welcome your calls at 608-256-2001. So artificial intelligence, is this going to be the next, you know, is this going to help labor force or is it going to hurt labor force or how is it going to affect at least that part of the equation? 
I don't. The I guess the the, the answer is I don't know. And the you know I I could have answered that that question a lot with more confidence. I think um, ten years ago or fifteen years ago, but now we're seeing it advance so rapidly. You know, I'm I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I think. So instead of artificial intelligence, think about it as technology. So one of the things we saw really in the 70s and 80s was technology replacing workers. Um, we saw that a lot. That that as technology advanced, um, you know, it was it was really replacing workers. And I think artificial intelligence is still going to to do that to some degree. At the same time, one of the reasons that I think that businesses are um, are adopting it more and more is part of that reason is again the difficulty in finding workers. So, um, it, some of some of the advance some of the advance is going to replace workers. Some of the advance is going to essentially fill the space of the workforce that businesses can't find. So it, it's sort of the, this two-pronged piece. Um, and there's still a lot of unknown and, and a lot of disagreement on what jobs are going to be most affected by artificial intelligence. Um, and again, I think part of that is because it, it is advancing so fast right now. I think it's it's become really difficult to get a handle on it. Is it possible that the number of jobs lost will be even greater because of it? Yes. Yes, it's possible. Yes. Are there certain, you know, when, when I look at list of jobs that are likely to survive in Wisconsin after AI revolution, uh, we're looking at mostly people who are dealing with AI on the technology level of some sort, or people who deal in technology level with humans. I mean, healthcare or health industry or health service, however you uh, refer to it. Um, so does it mean that if you're looking for career future in Wisconsin, you should be looking either in healthcare or technology? <laughs> um, boy, well, for, first of all, um, we need um, we need more workers in the healthcare industry. So um, AI or not, we 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 have that need. Um, you know, we need more nurses. We need more. Uh, you know. All, all throughout um, healthcare, so um, there there is a need there, um, regardless of of, of AI. Um, we need technology workers as well. You know, really, we, we there's we're, there there's very few occupations that that aren't in need. Um, you know, I've seen papers written that you know that look at, okay, here's, here's who, what we think are going to be the most vulnerable jobs, you know, and, you know, it ranges all over the place. Um, you know, I, I was looking at one the other day where they were talking about, you know, artists and graphic designers and all, you know, that be, because AI could like can create artwork so um, quickly, obviously without, and, you know, non-labor intensive, you know, maybe it's going to be, you know, those creative people, the artists that that are going to suffer. Um, you know, obviously, there you look at the um, factories, et cetera. I think people generally agree that that they're very vulnerable. You know, it, to some sense, my job is very vulnerable because if I, if I want to research a topic, it takes me a fair amount to look at what's been done to really dig into the, the, the problem. AI can do that in minutes, you know, look at it, pretty much everything that's been written on the topic, synthesize it um, and, and write something. Um, so, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a scary place we're in, in terms of, of AI, I think. I think it's about presentation as much as anything. And uh, who is going to replace Dale Knapp? Uh, what about, uh, well, uh, let's see. So technology and uh, so we just don't know, I guess, where we're going to be. It's, it's, a, it's a really kind of an unknown place. And, uh, and the direction can change drastically. And, and it's the big, big unknown. Yeah. And, and you know, 
I think that, you know, and, and, and sort of bringing this back to, um, you know, government to some degree, when, when you look, if you take AI out to one logical end where it's replacing large, large swaths of, of workers, somehow the, the, the profits from those businesses that are using that technology or the, the profits from those that are building the technology um, somehow have to, can't just go to the owners. They just can't um, because we, you know, you can, you can visualize large, large swaths of, of people out of work. Um, and so, we have to think about that. How do we, how do we distribute that tech, not the, 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 the savings generate the, yeah, the savings from, from that technology, from the technology. Um, because we can't have 20, 30% people unemployed. It just, you know, it, we just can't, can't do that. So, um, and that's going to be a very, very difficult that would that would pretty drastically change your outlook then. Yes. Because right now we're talking about workforce dwindling, but then, then we could be talking about high unemployment in Wisconsin because of all the artificial intelligence that is that is here doing everything. That's true. Um and again, it it's it's a it's one path that I've heard, you know, people talk about, but again, there there are so many paths that that people are talking about in terms of this um it's, and I'm not an expert in it. There are people that are experts, and even I think among experts, they don't know exactly where this is going. I think that's a very important uh, point to uh, acknowledge that we just don't know that the, the, the you know it's uh, probably better than to make uh, false predictions. Uh, what about all the people that are leaving workforce because they're retiring, kind of coming back to the demographic piece? Um, they're they're leaving jobs, but they're not leaving houses. So we're going to have an, an issue with, we're going to have lots of construction uh, in Wisconsin. Is that a good thing? Well, um, you know, when, when you look at the, the need for housing again, because as the, these baby boomers like myself um, retire, just like the generations before them, they're staying in their homes for you know another 10, 15 years maybe uh, before they downsize. Um, there are going to be there. There still are workers, young people coming up in the workforce that are going to need housing, um, and so you know our numbers that we when we looked at it. You know, between 2020 and 30, you know, we needed to build between 130 and 210,000 homes just to be able to satisfy that that need. Um, we're working on another piece where, as we look at this baby boom generation, um, age even further past 75, the need for senior living um, because many of them are going to want to downsize. Um, so the need for for that type of 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 um, home and those type of services is going to grow exponentially. Um, so that this, this aging of the baby boom is, is going to affect, you know, a lot of, of the economy, um, both directly and indirectly. So like the last thing we're going to see from baby boomers are a lot of retirement communities. That could be. Yes. Yes. Um, we had a caller on the line who left us, but he had a great point. Uh, first of all, about housing costs. And, uh, and the fact that, well, clearly, I mean, you, you can take it from there, but they're high and they're getting higher and that's a challenge. And the second part, which occurred to me as well, and I was glad that somebody else was going to mention it, but Andy, come back, Andy, um, whoever you are, universal basic income. Is that seem to be kind of an incentive that we can possibly safeguard people from some of the economic uh, downturns and, and provide some stability in this uncertain world of technology and whatever else? Uh, so housing costs and universal basic income, what's your thought? Um, it, it's not something that, that I've explored a lot. So I, you know, I, I know it, it, it's out there. Um, I, I think there was, there was, um, 
when job when when unemployment was higher when 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 um, we had not we didn't have workforce problems we you know we had more unemployment um, you know I think there there was there was more of a little bit more of a a um, look at that 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 you know we needed to make sure that I I think that that support for that um, you know in terms of um, elected officials um, has diminished again because because there are so many jobs available. Um, you know, you look at right now in, in the state of Wisconsin, we have between two and a half and three job openings for every person that's collecting unemployment benefits. Um, normally that number is around, um, you know, two or three unemployed for every job. Um, it's totally flipped. Um, now, the people on, on unemployment, you know, their work skills or their location may not match up with, with where, where those are, but it just gives you a sense of, of you know, in terms of, of available jobs versus the number of people unemployed, um, it, you know, it, it's totally flipped. And I think that um, when politicians look at that, they say, okay, there's jobs out there. Why is there a need for that? So I think the the support for it has lessened to some degree. So that would be. It sounds like it's a solution whose time, in the eyes of politicians, has not come yet. But when there will be, should there be much unemployment, then this will be a kind of a speak for itself, obvious solution that might just emerge when there's a time for it and political willingness. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, again, going back to the AI, if if we do see AI. Um, you know, just take over a significant part of the economy that then you, you, you will start seeing um, probably significant support for something along those lines. I don't know exactly what it would look like, um, but I think you, you would start to see that. Very interesting. Um, I guess uh, to, to wrap it up, uh, or one of the, you know, as we're, as we're starting to wrap up, um, the inflation, when uh, I heard your presentation to Rock County a year ago, you were saying that it's going to be with us probably or likely for a long time. And and it kind of is, and it kind of isn't, does it mean, like, what does that mean to you? Um, part of it means I was wrong, as with a lot of economic predictions, um, you know, because we have, you know, we, we, we've seen, um, you know, inflation come down when, when you know, when I was doing that, um, you looked at all of the, the factors that were going into what, what, what we thought was driving it. Um, and again, with the workforce shortage, et cetera, um, you know, it, 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 it just, it looked like some form of, of elevated inflation was going to be with us. Um, you know, really the, the federal reserve has done, it, it appears a really good job of um, bringing that inflation rate down. We still have inflation, but it's much, much lower. Um, so um, again, I, it's, it's one of those, you know, forecasts that when you looked at the data, you said, yeah, there's a good chance. Um, again, it's one of those, I'll admit that I, I was wrong on that. It looks like. All right. We have time for one last caller, caller, Daniel. Uh, welcome to the program. You have a thought about worker shortage and immigrants? Yeah, I was thinking about the kind of a logical disconnect between the worker shortage that we're experiencing and the fear of immigrants coming in at the southern border. It seems like people who are willing to walk thousand, a couple thousand miles from Central America to come to the U.S. and, and uh, work seem to be a logical um, solution to a problem like people need training yes but then there, there's all these people who want to come and work so why don't we put them to work you know it, it almost seems like some politicians are engaged in behavior that is frankly un-american but that's why we have elections um thank you daniel for the call and um dale i really appreciate the caller and i appreciate him bringing this back this theme of immigration and labor force and shortages and how we say one thing but we actually have different needs um how, how can you pull it all together for us you know and, and it, it, 
you know, I, again, I, I've been talking about that, you know, the, the need to do something about immigration, you know, for, for a long time. I, I think what, what troubles many, um, especially over the last several years, and, and again, that there have been, um, you know, politicians, you know, railing against that border for a long time. But I think that the, what, what of, of late, the, the, um, the, the the reason they're 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 um, on the on the other side of that is is that you know just the number that are coming in and um, that they're they're be, being sent all over sort of with without without a lot of documentation we're not going through a a process I think that's that's part of the problem um, but again yeah there we need workers we um, that immigration needs to be part of it. I, I think in the end, most people in the end would probably prefer it come through legal immigration where, um, you know, so that people, again, are able to work right away. You know, oftentimes, you know, obviously it's it's difficult to hire people that are, that are in the, the country illegally. Um, so I think most businesses would rather it come it come legally, so then again, we, we don't have those problems. But um, you're right there. You know, we do have, have politicians talking about the worker shortage, and um, you know, at the at the same time, railing on on the border. So, so we we do have that. Well, in that case, uh, Dale Knapp, I really want to thank you for your time, for your decades of service of educating Wisconsinites on uh, numbers that we need to understand about our state of where we're going. And I want to thank uh, our engineer, Jay Davis, and I want to thank um, producer Jay Desario Ramos and Mary Jo for taking calls. And this is always a team effort. Dale, thank you so much once again to you. Glad to be here. Thank you. You're listening to WRT 89.9 FM. This is Public Affair. My name is Yuri Rashkin. I was subbing today. It was a joy. And uh, we discussed future of Wisconsin's labor force. Thanks to everyone who made phone calls and joined us on this conversation. And they come back to this station uh, this time tomorrow to continue the conversation on a public affair. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Never be reported, disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and support it.